Welcome to Tent Talks on the Shelter from the Storm Podcast Network, a place to talk the rain away with your host, Cody Turner. Storm coming, Mr. Wayne. I've been making a concerted effort to be especially open-minded during this during these insane times, right? As it seems like civilization is on the brink of unfolding before our eyes. And I, I, I try to be open-minded for at least two reasons. One, I'm petrified of falling into some informational echo chamber, right? Subscribing to some uncompromising ideology that just completely distorts my perception of the world, so I'm unable to see what's going on, right? And these echo chambers are everywhere, especially on social media, right? Whether it's the result of some personalization algorithm or the result of the fact that all of your friends on social media that you get your news from happen to share your ideological perspective, it's easy to become ensconced, if you will, ensconced within an informational bubble. And I don't want to unknowingly fall into some informational bubble and adopt some tribalist thinking. So I try to, whenever I see someone on social media that I viscerally disagree with, I try to step back and say, what if you're on the wrong side of history, Cody? What if you're caught in some informational bubble? So one way to guard against that is to be especially open-minded. Another reason that I try to make a concerted effort to be open-minded is that we're living through what you might call the some kind of intellectual apocalypse, right? Or the era of fake news, as Trump puts it, or the era of uh, post-truth, if you will. Whatever you want to call it, people can't even agree on the facts, right? It's not like we all agree on the facts, but we have a disagreement over what the facts mean for society at large. We don't even agree on the facts anymore. So in this kind of environment where I'm constantly uh, swimming through a sea of disinformation, I never, I'm always careful never to be too confident, right, about what I think to be true, right? And I mean, and, and add that to the simple fact that most knowledge that we have is testimonial knowledge, right? I haven't, most of the things that I take to be true, I take to be true because I've either read it from somewhere or I've heard it from a friend who I consider to be reliable, right? My, all of my beliefs about the solar system, for example, I've read in te- textbooks or I've seen scientists talking about, and I take their word for it. I haven't done the experiments. Have you gone out and run all the experiments yourself? Have you gone out and done all the journalism yourself? No. Most people, including me, you know, get the, a lot of their news just from Twitter, what their friends are saying. So if you're aware of the fact that most of your knowledge is testimonial knowledge, it's silly to be extremely confident about a range of things which you have no business being confident about, obviously. So for all these reasons, I try to be open-minded, right? If we're just talking about the political realm, I'll listen to populist progressive voices, neoliberal Democrats, neoconservatives, Trumpists, centrists, socialists. I'll listen to everyone. But one of my worries is that I could be too open-minded sometimes, right? And, and because you don't want to be too open-minded. There are dangers of being too open-minded. You don't want to be, for example, open-minded with respect to Nazi ideology, right? Let's just hear the Nazi out. Maybe he has some good points to make, guys. I mean, who knows? If, if you're open-minded with respect to Nazi ideology, then 
something's gone wrong with your brain or your moral compass, right? Or to take a different example, suppose that you're in some 1984 dystopian world where your information environment is just completely polluted with propaganda and disinformation. If you're open-minded in that kind of environment, then as soon as you're open-minded, your inner ideology can potentially become corrupted by the information pollution. And then you can quickly become completely lost from an epistemic point of view, right? So that's the worry. And I'm visceral. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always constantly aware of the fact that so many people are annoyed by this kind of centrist moralizing when, when people tout the virtues of open-mindedness, right? Like, oh, look how reasonable Cody is. Look, he's being open-minded to both sides. But in reality, he, doesn't, he just doesn't have any political or moral principles. In reality, he believes nothing and is actually despised by both sides. So I, have, I can hear that voice in the back of my head, the person who just hates this kind of, uh, again, what you might call centrist line of reasoning. Like, get, get out of here with the open-mindedness. The fact that you're open-minded just means that you're, you, you're easy fodder to be a political pawn. Right? People can easily take advantage of your open-mindedness and manipulate you, and now you're blinded to things that you should see because you're being open-minded, because you want to give the other side a fair shake. Right? So that's my worry about being too open-minded. And so there's this uh, a philosopher at UConn. She works in virtue epistemology. Her name is Heather Baddeley. She has a paper called Can Closed-Mindedness Be an Intellectual Virtue? And essentially what I'm asking here is the inverse question. Can open-mindedness in some, in some circumstances be an intellectual vice? Right? So I'm stuck in this predicament. And I think the problem in this current moment is that we're <laughs> there seems to be no tolerance for open-mindedness whatsoever. And it seems that obviously it seems like tribalist politics rule the day. And in real time right now, I'm seeing friendships and families being destroyed over political differences. Right. So let me let me take you into two different political universes to try to describe the situation that I'm in. So on one side of the political aisle, I have liberal-minded friends telling me that the narrative which says that Trump is a neo-fascist, is being proven right. In fact, we're seeing it play out in real time. They tell me that, look, Trump has stoked the flames of white supremacy and racism in this country with his rhetoric for years. And now he's threatening to invoke the Insurrection Act to deploy the military and National Guard in cities to stop the civil unrest. And they say that what this is, is a clear violation of the First Amendment and the beginning of what you might consider to be a fascist takeover. So let me just uh, quickly pause there and uh, describe what the Insurrection Act is. So the Insurrection Act is an 1807 United States federal law that empowers the president to deploy U.S. military within the United States in particular circumstances, like to suppress insurrection or rebellion or civil disorder. It's been used various times before. I know the last time it was used was by President George H.W. Bush on May 1st, 1992, in response to the L.A. riots. But crucially, in that circumstance, the state 
of California requested that the Insurrection Act be used. But in this circumstance, I don't believe any states are asking for Trump to do this. So that's a crucial difference between the two scenarios. But in any event, Trump wants to go, he threatened to do this the other day in response to the civil unrest that we've seen breaking out across the country. And again, my friends will tell me that this is Trump using the power of the state to effectively silence his political opponents and infringe upon the constitutional rights of peaceful protesters. Reports a few days ago say that Trump deployed tear gas against peaceful protesters in Lafayette Square just to get a photo op in front of a church with him holding the Bible. So that's, that's where we're at. So they'll emphasize that we see this and we, and we see the systematic brutality of our militarized police system that's been put on full display the past couple of days through all the you know, insane videos that we've seen on Twitter. Cops targeting journalists with rubber bullets and attacking peaceful protesters in a completely unjustified manner. It seems it's a vicious cycle of systematic injustice. And, you know, essentially we're seeing um, cops displaying the very problematic behavior that the protesters are protesting against. So, and, and Trump is just making the situation worse, again, with his rhetoric and his threats against violating our constitutional rights. My friends tell me that, look, government corruption, fascist takeovers, all this stuff happens gradually and it easily becomes normalized. And Trump's constant erratic behavior and fascist tendencies have already become partially normalized within the, Ameri the mind of the American public. They say that if I can't see this for what it is, then something must be wrong with my brain or my moral system. And that we really can't be friends anymore if I don't subscribe to every single element of the liberal resistance narrative. Right, so that's one political universe. In the other political universe, let me take you there now. In that universe, I have conservative-minded friends that emphasize that while the peaceful protests are justified and that while the killing of George Lloyd was appalling and wrong, they tell me that a significant a part of these protests have been hijacked by extremist groups like Antifa and have devolved into violence and looting. And they say that, you know, violence and looting are wrong and that it's the job of the government to protect lawful citizens. And that if local governments and cities aren't doing what they need to do to protect their people, then Trump should absolutely use his powers to stop the violence. In fact, it's his duty to. They tell me that the idea that Trump is a white supremacist is silly. Trump's done a lot for the African-American community. They say that the idea that Trump is a fascist is exactly backwards. Antifa are the real fascists. Antifa are the ones that are using violent tactics and stifling free speech. They tell me that by using the powers of the military to stop violent riots, primarily instigated by Antifa, Trump is fighting back against anarchists and communists and far-left rioters that would love to see nothing less than the complete destruction of our civil society. They tell me that if I actually truly believe that Trump Donald J. Trump is a fascist, then I've been brainwashed by the liberals. And my worldview has just gone completely askew. So that's where we are. If you agree that Trump is a fascist, you alienate a ton of people. And if you disagree, you alienate a ton of people. Now, what I want to do here is take the milk toast fence sitter line of reasoning, which says 
that I think there's a lot more agreement on these culture war issues than we'd typically be led to believe. I think that a lot of times what seem to be moral disagreements are actually factual disagreements in disguise. Um, so in other words, if you think someone has some fundamental disagreement with you on some issue, maybe you're just living in two different informational universes. And if you had the same set of facts or the same news sources, you would have relatively the same opinion. Or to the extent that there is legitimate disagreement, I feel like a lot of times it's a disagreement of emphasis, right? In other words, in certain circum areas, I feel like both sides of the culture war are latching on to truth, but they're emphasizing different parts of the holistic reality. And there's difference in emphasis seems like it's a, like a fundamental difference in in narratives which can't be reconciled. And maybe in some cases that's true, but I feel like in a lot of cases, they're both, again, latching on to different parts of the holistic reality and emphasizing different parts of it. There's this really good uh, Buddhist fable to kind of illustrate this point. It's called the blind man and the elephant fable. So, so what you have is you have eight blind men and they've never come into contact with an elephant and they're all tasked with the job of trying to conceptualize what an elephant is based upon touch. But each blind man doesn't get to touch all areas of the elephant. They only get to, each blind man only gets to touch one aspect of the elephant. Maybe one touches the trunk, another touches the back legs, and then they have to infer what the elephant is based upon that limited tactile information. And obviously because they're all touching different parts of the elephant, they all have different reports as to what the elephant is. And soon enough, they grow suspicious of one another. One blind man says to another, you're lying about what the elephant is because I'm in contact with it right now and I know that your description is wildly different than mine. But in reality, none of them are incorrect. Right? They're all equally correct or incorrect because they're all in contact with different parts of the elephant. And the moral is that humans have a disposition to infer absolute truth based upon their limited subjective experience, and they tend to ignore the limited subjective experience of other people. And I think that a lot of times this is what's going on in the culture war. And I'm not suggesting that both sides of the culture war are equally right or equally wrong. I'm just saying that a lot of times both sides are latching onto some truth, and to the extent that there is disagreement, there's disagreement over emphasis, and maybe properly so. Right? In a lot of circumstances, there might be something um, morally wrong about emphasizing one part of the narrative to the neglect of another part of the narrative. Right? The liberals will say to the conservatives, yes, we all agree that, uh, let's say, violent looting is wrong, but in this circumstance, you should be emphasizing the police brutality and the killing of George Floyd and not the, the violent looting aspect of it, even though you're right in suggesting that that's wrong and that might not further... Uh, progress, maybe it'll do the opposite. Or to take a different example, a friend of mine recently was saying that while this civil unrest is obviously about racial injustice, it's also about economics. Right? It's not just racial conflict, but it's class conflict. It's the explosion of a population of people that have been psychologically and financially destabilized from being locked in their homes for three months in quarantine. Right? It's the it's the reflection of 40 million people, I think, at this point, unemployed because of the coronavirus. 
right? It's a reflection of the fact that the middle class in this country has completely disappeared over the past however many years, and most of the wealth has trickled to the top 1%, right? So they're saying there should be more emphasis. It's all, every, there's so much going on right now, and there should be more emphasis on the economic part of the narrative, right? So that's all. A lot of times, um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of truth to go around, but people are emphasizing different parts of the holistic reality. And look, I'm not, I'm not doing this to virtue signal. I'm not trying to be the guy who gives the reasonable take that everyone can get on board with, right? I honestly, it's more sexy to be a revolutionary, right? It's more sexy to be certain that history is unfolding and I know I'm on the right side of history. And what side of history are you going to be on? Are you, gonna, are you with us or are you with them? Right? It's more, that's, that's so much more sexy. Just generally speaking, I'm tentative about joining revolutions. And look, I'm, again, like I said, one of my biggest fears is being too open-minded, right? Being open-minded with respect to some things that I should have deep convictions about. Being too open-minded so I don't see the truth that's right in front of my face. Like, how can you not see it, stupid fucking fence-sitter? I'm constantly petrified of that. But I'm sorry if I'm tentative about joining your revolution, whatever your revolution is, right? Whatever, whatever side of the cultural war we're talking about, whatever it is, I'm tentative about joining your revolution when we're living in an intellectual apocalypse and I don't know which way is up. And I'm trying my best to navigate through this sea of information pollution and just culture war nonsense. That's it. So I think I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.